All right, let's continue on. Galatians chapter 3, uh, let's go to verse number 6. Verse number 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it's important to realize uh, that verse 6 is the illustration that is showing the answer to the question in verse 5. The verse 5 the question is that the folks that are ministering and working miracles among you, do they do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham. So this is now the illustration that Paul is giving is the illustration of Abraham. And he's saying that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, so this is again uh, referring to the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Um, and you find that in, uh, in Romans uh, chapter number 4, uh, verses 1 through 5. And we'll get there in just a second. But as you see here in verse 7, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Okay, now we're going to get into a couple things here um, that are pretty big deals, um, if you will, scripturally, doctrinally. And, of course, the first thing is this, is this thought of uh, imputed righteousness. We have gone over that. Um, so if you, don't, if you don't have notes on it, let me know, because we went over it a few weeks ago, or a few classes ago, if you will, on the imputed uh, righteousness of Jesus Christ and the fact that um, uh, Abraham believed God. And so God goes to Abraham and says, Hey, look up at the stars of heaven. Can you number them? He says, No. I'm going to make your seat as the stars of heaven. you believe that? He says, yeah, sure, I believe that. He says, okay, and he gives him his righteousness. Okay, so <clears throat> this is the illustration that's given. And just like you, uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ uh, saves your soul, you say, uh, what can you do to get saved? I can do nothing. Well, there's a, here's a Savior who died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. You believe that? Well, yeah. Okay, well, now you have his righteousness. <laughs> Right? It's nothing that you've done, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And so we get the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed unto us when we choose Him. Okay? But here in verse number 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, we're going to get into some things right now that... Um, is known as what uh, is known as replacement theology. Anybody ever heard that term before? Replacement theology. Replacement theology is a simple thing that basically where uh, God is done with the Jew, and somebody else has taken that place and has the same promises that was given to Abraham. Uh, those are the physical promises and the spiritual promises. And now somebody else is the recipient of those because the Jews lost it. Now, another a form of this is called uh, British Israelism. It's a fancy little term. But the fact of the matter is, is there ain't nobody in Britain taking the place of no Jews. <laughs> Stinking Brits. Right? But, anyways... <laughs> that was real. That was real deep and doctrinal and biblical <laughs> statement. <laughs> Verse seven says, "Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham." Now it's not uncommon uh, this uh, this term of or claiming Abraham as their father. Go to John chapter number eight. This is not uncommon. 
in Scripture. You see this, this term brought up a lot in Scripture. John chapter number 8, verse 39. If we understand the context here, <coughs> excuse me. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, he's trying to show them uh, their spiritual father, and they're going back and forth about you know, who, they, who they belong to. Um, let's see here. Start in verse 30, 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So they're saying that their father is Abraham. They're saying that their father is God. And they, and they already are being dishonest uh, because, let's see here... Um, they, they admit to him here that they have never been under the bondage of any man. Uh, verse 33. Then answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Well, that's a lie. Do you not remember the whole bondage thing that you were in with Pharaoh? <laughs> like, did you forget about that? <laughs> like, my goodness, man. <laughs> like, how are you going to say that you were never in bondage to anybody? You were in bondage to Nebuchadnezzar. You not remember that? You not remember the Babylonian captivity? Uh, you know, that thing kicked off in like 606 B.C. You ever remember that? So for them to say that they were never in bondage to any man just shows how off base they are. And they're trying to have an argument, and they don't have an argument. And Jesus is trying to get them to think spiritually, and they can't. They don't have the ability to. And he's talking about his father, his father. And they're saying, well, our father's Abraham. We're saying, well, our father's God. And you're telling us that we're, you know, adverse to that. And then, of course, he lets, uh, he lets the cat out of the bag. Uh, and he's in verse uh, 44, he says, you're of your father the devil. <laughs> and the lust of your father you're going to do. And so he's, he's going back and forth with these folks and he's saying, you say that your father's Abraham, but you're, you're not going against, you're, you're going completely against what Abraham uh, would do. He believed God. Okay, uh, go to Romans chapter 4. You see, you see this, this uh, Abraham obsession throughout the scripture and and sometimes it can it can seem a little confusing. Romans chapter four verse one. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him, or it was counted to him, for righteousness. Uh, now to him that worketh is reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now we talked about this before. If you could work for it, just like you go to work, right? You work 40 hours. You get, say you get paid every two weeks. You got 80 hours, right? You work 80 hours. You didn't get paid for those 80 hours. You get paid for those 80 hours after you work them, right? 
So technically, your boss owes you money, right? Your boss is in debt to you, and he pays his debt every two weeks in the form of your paycheck. You see that? So if it, if it was of works, then as what he's saying here, now unto him that, uh, excuse me, um, now unto him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You see that? It's not grace then, it's debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justify the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay, so this imputed righteousness uh, is, is all uh, based off the illustration of Abraham. And then this, this Abraham obsession of he's our father and, and we, we belong to him. Uh, look in verse 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Cometh the blessedness upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision uh, circumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? He's asking him the question. So when, so what they're saying here is when Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. If you're trying to say, right, if you're trying, like, just like the Pharisees are saying, we have, a, we have, we have a, a, a benefit because Abraham is our father, right? This, this, this bringing back to Abraham as our father, showing that the Jews were the chosen people, right? And so we're of the right seed, we're of the right lineage, we're in the right line. And this is this obsession. And so now we're in the book of Romans and Paul's writing here, and he's, and, and he's saying, well, we just said that if, it, well, since Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. He says, okay, well, if we're saying that Abraham is our father and that's what benefits us because we're of Abraham, we're of the circumcision. When Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, was he circumcised or not? You see, that's what he's saying. And he gives you the answer at the end of verse 10. He says, not in circumcision but in uncircumcision. You see that? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. We are told what the definition of circumcision and uncircumcision is. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Hopefully I'm not confusing you, but Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Okay? So Gentiles in the flesh is what? Who are called uncircumcision. That's the Gentiles. What are they? They're uncircumcised. Okay? By that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. You're talking Jews and Gentiles. So... If we're trying to say that salvation is um, connected to your circumcision, which is part of the, which is um, uh, which is a part of the law, okay? If we're going to say that, then when did and we're going to say Abraham's our father, and the illustration that he's given in back in Galatians chapter three is he believed God; it was accounted him for righteousness, and Abraham is our father, right? Did he receive his righteousness when he was circumcised or, before, or uh, when he was uncircumcised? The answer to the question is, when he was uncircumcised. So Abraham received righteousness. He, he, he got the imputed righteousness of God when he was an uncircumcised Gentile. 
before the law. Mind blown, <laughs> right? Argument disbanded, okay? So this, this, this whole thing, there's five ways that Abraham's salvation is different than your salvation. Okay, so if you're trying to say that salvation, and again, if you consider the context of what we're talking about in Galatians chapter 3, I know that I'm, I'm kind of going from a macro uh, lesson here uh, as far as, you know, the imputed righteousness, the doctrine of imputed righteousness. Um, but in context of Galatians chapter 3, he's talking about Judaizers that are coming and they're teaching that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so this is the argument that he's saying. Circumcision has nothing to do, working of the law has nothing to do with your salvation. And if you're going to go to the fact that Abraham is your father, <coughs> to teach that, you have to realize that Abraham's salvation is different than your salvation. Abraham uh, was physically circumcised. This happened after his imputed righteousness, but he, he was, he was uh, told to be circumcised. Abraham was physically circumcised. And you are spiritually circumcised. That's Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Abraham was not in the body of Christ. You are in the body of Christ. That's, uh, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 27, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Abraham went to paradise when he died. You go to heaven when you die. He, go, he went to what they called Abraham's bosom. You go right to heaven. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Abraham didn't have complete atonement for his sins. You have complete atonement for your sins. The Old Testament saints, they, their sins were remitted for a time. Your sins are permanently washed away. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4. And then number five, Abraham's soul was stuck to his body and yours is cut away from your body. That's the spiritual circumcision. And again, that's Colossians 2 verse 11. Those are five ways that Abraham's salvation is different than your salvation. Now, on this thing of replacement theology... The, uh, the, the, the thought that God is done with the Jews, at, at just face value here, if we're just going to be just honest with where we're at in the Scriptures, if you were to come here and look at verse 7 and say, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So you see that? Since we're saved by faith, I now am a child of Abraham, so I'm now entitled to the promises that God gave Abraham. This is where your all-millennialists get into it, where they think they're bringing in the kingdom and all this different stuff. All the, um, the physical benefits and the physical covenants uh, and, uh, that God gave Abraham, they're now entitled to because you got saved. 
the context here is clearly is clearly spiritual. Verse two, you, it says the spirit. Uh, in verse three, you see the spirit. Verse five, you see the spirit. Look at verse fourteen. The blessedness of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the what? The Spirit. Not the physical promises, the spiritual promises. Now go all the way down to verse number 28. This is very similar to the rebuttal of predestination and election. If you remember going through that, predestination and election... Look in verse number 28, Galatians 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one, where? In Christ Jesus. So for you to say that God is, is that somehow you've taken the place of the Jew and God is done with the Jew because they rejected him and now you're a spiritual Jew and now you're entitled to, the, to the, um, the blessings of Abraham and the promises and the covenants of Abraham. He told you that you're spiritually, uh, you're, spiritually, uh, uh, you're spiritually entitled to the spiritual benefits in Christ Jesus. Because if you're trying to make that physical, then you'd have to take the rest of the verses physical. Is there Jew and Greek? Well, not in Christ there isn't. But there's 100% Jew and Gentile now. I ain't a Jew. And neither is Jews in here. <laughs> right? How about this one? Well, in today's world, we're not quite sure. Right? There's neither male nor female. Well, I guess maybe there's some credence to that now. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, is guess what? There's still males and there's still females. Not in Jesus Christ. You see that? So, again, to try to teach that, just in the context of where you read it, is enough to say, no, you're kind of off your rocker. That's, that's just not true. Right? Um, For you know that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Um, let's see here. I want to... I'm going to kind of circle back uh, to this thing. But um, let's go to verse 8 and then I'll come back and I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll circle back around to this. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. He says, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now, again, on this thought of replacement theology, he says here at the end of the verse, In thee shall all nations be blessed. This is a reference back, go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, go to verse 1. We want to talk about the physical promises of Abraham that were given to Abraham. Well, let's just look at them. Verse 1, Now the Lord said unto thee, Abram, get thee out of, the, uh, out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
Okay? Um, then uh, we see this again in, um, go to Genesis chapter 15. Excuse me, 13. Go to 13 first. 13. Genesis chapter 13. What blessings are we talking about? Look in verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place uh, where thou art uh, northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. This is a land contract that God said, hey, he's sitting there and he's looking around. He says, look north, south, east, west, as far as you can see, it's yours. I'm giving it to you, right? Go to Genesis 15, look in verse number 18. 15, 18, in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, <coughs> you can, you can uh, take that on a map and you can see this. The, the, the promised land that was given to Abraham, uh, I mean, I think Dr. Ruckman actually, in the back of his Bible, he's got a, uh, he's got a picture of it. It's a big triangle. It's massive. It's a huge area. And if you know anything about current events over in the Middle East, you know that you know, the West Bank and all this different stuff that they're saying belongs to the... Uh, the Palestinians, and it belongs to these Muslims and stuff. This is a hot piece of land. And uh, Dr. Ruppman wrote a book on it. He calls it the deadly piece of dirt. <laughs> if you, you want to you uh, have some good reading, <laughs> go ahead and read that. But um, let's take it again look at it some more. Uh, chapter 17, chapter 17, verse 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. It's an everlasting possession. That is a physical promise. That land belongs to the seed of Abraham. Now, this is where it gets a little messy. Okay? It gets a little messy over here in verse 15. If you know anything about the uh, situation with Sarah and with Abraham, you know that uh, he ends up conceiving with uh, her handmaid. And of course, Ishmael is born uh, first. And then he tells that Sarah's going to have a baby. They laugh. They have a good little roll around on the ground. And of course, she conceives and she bears Isaac. Now, verse 15, it says here that Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Uh, I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in, verse, I'm in chapter 18. I want to be in chapter 17 in verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but, call her, uh, but Sarah shall uh, her name be. And I will bless her and give thee also a son of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Okay? And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, 
I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Look at verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. Okay? Now, is that any more clear? Abraham says, I want Ishmael to be before you. He says, hey, I'm going to take care of Ishmael. Don't you worry. But I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac. Why is that significant? Well, all your Muslims and your Arabs, that's the descendants of Ishmael. And so all your, all your conflict in the Middle East is between these Palestinians or these Muslims, these Ishmaelites, against the seed of Isaac. And they're going to be, the Bible tells them that they're wild men and they're men of war and they just stink and kill each other left and right. And the most uh, murderous, uh, disgusting, filthy religion that ever hit the face of the planet uh, is, is, is uh, within this uh, line of Ishmael. And they believe they kill you in order to proselyte you. Either turn to them or you're an infidel and you need your head cut off and they kill you in all kinds of ways and multiple different wives and paradise and all this different stuff. And they think that they're entitled to that land. And so when Dr. Rutman, he, he talks about how the United Nations has waged war on God is because the United Nations are the ones that take up and say, oh, well, you need to give this over to the Palestinians and give this over to the Palestinians. He says, you're messing with God's covenant. You think you're going to make God a liar? You think you're going to force God's hand? So here's the, so here's, that's the situation. <clears throat> that's the predicament about this piece of land, this physical covenant that God makes with Abraham. So... What people then do <clears throat> is they do everything in their power to say God is done with that Jew. Because if God is done with the Jew, because of them crucifying the Lord or some other thing, then that means that that physical promise is no longer in effect to the Jew. So don't you know that everybody who thinks they're smarter than God has done everything and taught everything little which way to show you that God is done with that Jew. The physical promise has nothing to do with a spiritual Jew. Go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. I'll show you some, some of the stuff that they teach here to try to get God being done with that Jew. Romans chapter 2, look in the last verse, verse number 29. I'll start in verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that, uh, is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a spiritual Jew, or excuse me, he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So they say, okay, God's done with the Jew, and now the covenant and the promises go to spiritual Jews. Ones that aren't circumcised outwardly, but inwardly. That's the new Jew. I'm sorry, that's not the case at all. 
It's not, it's not to a spiritual Jew. Galatians chapter 6. They'll say that, oh no, it's not to the, it's not to the, it's not to the, uh, it's not to the nation of Israel. It's not, a, it's not connected to them. They lost it. It's, it's given to spiritual Jews now. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. This is how they reconcile this verse. Maybe you've scratched your head on it before. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm looking for... Oh, maybe I have it in the wrong spot here. Where he says the Israel of God. 16? That's what it is. I, got, I missed the one. And as may as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them, mercy upon the Israel of God. And so they say, this isn't the Israel of the Old Testament. This is a new Israel, the Israel of God, and everybody tries to claim that they are the Israel of God. You see that? Now, I'm not going to come in and expound each and every one of these things. I'm just going to show you this. You guys have it down, and I'm going to show you the end-all, be-all as far as this replacement theology goes, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. Okay? Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Back in Galatians chapter 3. Verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He saith not, and the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So, they say that Isaac <coughs> is a type of Christ. And since Isaac is a type of Christ, um, uh, everybody now that's... Uh, that's basically in Christ, is now of that seed. And so now somebody else has, that's in that seed is now the, the, the recipient of the covenant. It's not really Isaac, it's the seed of Isaac. And Christ is in the seed of Isaac, and so now you can spiritualize it, but then you connect the physical to the spiritual. And of course that's not what he's saying there. Now to Abraham, his seed uh, were the promises made. To his seed, singular, to the, pro the promises were made to his seed. Uh, he saith not into the seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, both promises, one seed. Physical promise that he's going to be the king of kings and lord of lords, right? That, that's, the, that's the physical seed of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spiritual seed being the fact that He was the propitiation of our sins and He was a Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world and that was the spiritual seed that was to uh, fix what Adam broke. And both of those seeds, both of those promises were fulfilled in one seed which is Jesus Christ. has nothing to do with the physical covenant that God made with Abraham. And then finally Galatians chapter 4. It's funny how three of these things are in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. And so they flat out say, if you're a Christian, we're bringing in the kingdom, man. We're, we're, bringing, in, we're bringing in the kingdom and eventually we're going to inherit the, the land and that's where we're going to be when Jesus comes back. Because after all, you know, we believe that, uh, you know, we're, 
we're just basically making the world a better place. And once we get it to where it's supposed to be, Jesus will come back and we'll all be good to go. <laughs> right? Things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. So I would uh, shoot holes in that one pretty quick. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how you twist it, no matter how you try to play it, no matter how you try to say, well, this descendant came over here and they mixed with this amount of people and now, you know, the Jews are really black and they're, you know, over in, in, in Britain and they're in... in they're Israel's, uh, you know, they're Israel's descendants, and these are Jews, and now they're the ones that are partakers of the land. And don't you know that Abraham is also the father of Ishmael, so we're just as entitled to that land as they are? Well, if you threw the Bible out, you could kind of say that. And if you say that God's done with the seed of Isaac, you could say, well, Ishmael's the only one left. And then through some kind of, you know, political masquerade, you're going to say that you have to give that land up if you're United Nations. The problem is, is that all would have validity if God was done with the Jew. But go to Romans chapter 11, and this is one of the miracles that uh, Paul talks about. Or excuse me, not miracles, but this is one of the mysteries that, God, uh, that Paul talks about. He starts it off with a question. I say then, hath God cast away His people? That's the question of, of the topic. Because if you're trying to figure out who in the world that land belongs to, or that covenant belongs to, then you'd have to answer that question. Because you don't have a leg to stand on if God isn't done with the Jew. If God's done with the Jew, then let's figure out who it belongs to, right? <laughs> but he says... Is God cast away His people? And what does He follow it up with? He gives you the answer right away. God forbid. God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people, which He foreknew. What not ye what the Scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, and he goes on. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 20. Or actually, no. I want to uh, show you the illustration he gives. Um, let's see here. Verse 14, If by any means I may provoke you to emulation, them which are my flesh might have uh, saved some of them. For in the casting away, uh, casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? But life from the dead... For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Okay, so he's talking about that you are a, a wild olive branch and you're grafted in. So he has this olive tree and he's saying that the roots are holy. And so if the roots are holy, the branches are holy. Now, if, if God, if some of those branches get broken off, God can cut that branch and he can graft in you, you and I. That's the church age. Okay, so he grafts us in. Okay, and he gives this, he gives this illustration uh, in detail. Uh, in verse 22, he says, 
Um, Start in verse 21. Um, For if God spared not the natural branches, that's the Israelites, take heed, lest He also spare not thee. So, um, he says, Behold the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but towards thee goodness, if thou continue in His goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. You see that word again? That means they were grafted, they were cut off, you were grafted in, and God can graft them back in again. Okay? Verse 20, let's start, let's go to 24 to 25. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happened to Israel. Look at this until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come one out of Zion and deliver, and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. And he's talking about that, that they're your enemies according uh, to the gospel, right? Um, and so he's saying here, don't be ignorant. Because just like God took those Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, and He cut them out of that tree, and He grafted you in, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, you know what He's going to do? He's going to cut us out, and He's going to put that Jew back in there. Now again, if you're not dispensational, if you don't understand dispensations in your Bible, you would think God's done with the Jew. And He's moved on to something else, and that's us. But He's telling you, don't be so high-minded. He said, but fear, because just like God grafted them out, he's going to cut you out as soon as the time of the Gentiles be come in. So <coughs> God isn't done with the Jew. And he calls it a mystery because folks can't see it. And there's going to come a time where that horn's going to sound and this church age is going to close. And just like uh, what, you, what you find out... Um, you see this thing again. Go to uh, James chapter 2 and we'll end here. James chapter 2. Look at what he, he's going to say something here. And I, I hope this, this, this puts a light bulb over your head real quick. Look in verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Notice he's talking about Abraham, right? He's talking about uh, Abraham's justification, but he's no longer attaching it to the belief before the circumcision, but rather he brings it back to the works of offering Isaac on the altar. You see that? Look in verse 23. <clears throat> um, excuse me, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with its works, <clears throat> and by works was faith made perfect. That's the exact opposite of 
Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness without the works. It's the complete opposite of Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Why? James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Because he's not talking to you and I anymore. He's talking to a bunch of Jews in the tribulation after the rapture happens because they've just been grafted back in and now the salvation has changed from by grace through faith plus nothing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved plus you have to keep the commandments. It's faith and works in the tribulation. And so he brings, he's got that thing, listen, He's got that thing worked out. He can use the same illustration to the Jews in the tribulation as he can use to us in the church age. And he's saying, all I had to do was graft you out, put them back in. And the illustration's still there. But if you're, undispensa if you're not dispensational, you come to your Bible and you say, well, see, contradiction. That's why, listen, when people tell you, and, and you hear Dr. Ruckman say, and you hear some of these Bible students, they, they're just repeating what Dr. Ruckman said, this is the most treacherous, deceiving book you've ever held in your hands. And if you don't approach it the right way, and rightly divide it where it's supposed to be divided, what do you do with James 2.21? Well, you can't do nothing with it, because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But if you, if you divide that thing and you see what God's trying to show you in the certain time in which He's trying to show it, and when He's preaching these things, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect, crystal clear sense. Uh, back, we'll end here, Galatians chapter 3. I want to have to take this. I, will, uh, I, I don't know if I'll be teaching next Thursday. Um, I, I'll be coming back from uh, that business trip, and I, and I may... I may not be here on Thursday night, uh, but if I am, either way, it'd be the next, the following Thursday. Uh, I want to hit this thing in verse number eight, where it says, "In the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen um, <clears throat> through faith." Uh, I want to get to that thing where the Scripture foreseeing is some really awesome stuff here that the Bible says about itself, and um, we'll get into that stuff uh, next time. So, uh, does anybody have any questions? We went through a lot of stuff. It's actually pretty technical stuff that we've gone through, but does anybody have any questions? I don't know if I did a good job of explaining it. Maybe it felt a little scattered. Man, I'm glad everybody got it. Praise the Lord. James, yeah. So James, James is what you consider uh, a tribulation passage. Yeah, so James would be a, a tribulation passage. He tells you that it's to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Now, again, you can take, you can take scriptural application out of it, but if you're going to try to take your, your doctrine from it, obviously you have a distinct co uh, contradiction um, right there in verse 21 that you'd have to reconcile. And so that's you know, where it forces you to either divide your Bible or change your Bible. So, so yeah, that's, that's where that thing fits. Anybody else have any questions about it? Everybody understand the whole grafting in and grafting out, and and uh, everybody understand the uh, the replacement theology thing. That's I kind of brushed over it. All right, well let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I pray you bless these that have come out. I hope, Lord, that uh, 
they can think on these things, and uh, Father, that it would make sense to them. And uh, Lord, I ask that you just bless uh, this class in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.